Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis and they have a look back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Carrie Sadowitz. She's the Chief Marketing and Creative Officer at New York Sports Club. Prior to being named Chief Marketing and Creative Officer at New York Sports Club, Carrie was founded and was the CEO of Fitting Room, overseeing multiple Fitting Room studio locations and overcoming the business having halted during COVID being closed for over a year and enduring operating losses and returning to an entirely shifted fitness ecosystem. Gary was named the Chief Marketing and Creative Officer for New York Sports Club when the company acquired Fitting Room in October 2022. Gary's currently leading the New York Sports Club in a brand comeback, bringing all the brands together under one roof and one brand online and in social and introducing a new brand identity while also developing brand partnerships and creating activations within the clubs that build upon the New York Sports Club's mission of changing lives through fitness. Now on the show today, we talk about this comeback story, how it's unfolded, what's been the twists and the turns along the way, and much, much more. You're going to really enjoy this conversation with Carrie Sadowitz. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We have to start off before we get into New York Sports Club and, and many other aspects of what you do on your day job. I hear you're an avid baseball fan. And 
I have to hear this story. It sounds like you've gone to seven major league baseball events in seven days across five cities. That's crazy. Tell me about this. I love the sport. As far back as I can remember, it was something that connected me with my family. I managed the high school baseball team when I was in high school. And I happened to be lucky enough to have two sons who love playing the sport, but also who love following the sport and a husband who humors us by going along. He was born in South Africa, so he wasn't born with baseball. And two summers ago, we did, we hit seven MLB events in seven days across five cities. We flew from New York to San Diego and took in a Padres game. Then we drove up to Los Angeles and we went to the Home Run Derby, followed by the All-Star Game. Then we flew to Houston, where we went to a doubleheader of the Astros versus the Yankees. Then we flew to Atlanta, where we took in a Braves game. Then we flew to Baltimore where we saw the Yankees play the Orioles. And then after that, we came home. Then this past spring, we spent between the two kids, different school schedules. We ended up with four days of spring break in common. And so we went to Miami for the World Baseball Classic, which might have been the most fun live event I've ever been to. (laughs) That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. I'm just happy that you have kids that are into baseball. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Me too. So, I mean, that would be brutal if they were not. Uh, So having kids probably similar ages, uh, you know, they like to do what they like to do. So that's, but that sounds amazing. And, and what a, what an experience. I mean, that many events in that many days, across that many different locations. I can't even put words to it. Yeah. It's so much fun. And it, I think just for any experience, it's really fun to travel the world and interact with different types of people through the lens of something you love. And maybe that's me talking as a marketer who loves consumer experiences. But, you know, it's fun to go to a game where you're the away team. It's fun to go to a game where you're not really connected to either team. And you're just interacting with people in different cities and every place has a different vibe and yeah, different featured foods. It's just It's a really cool way to travel is just through the lens of something that you're really into. Awesome. Well, from baseball to working out. (laughs) Right. They Uh, go together. (laughs) They do. They do. So I'd love to get like your path to becoming the chief marketing and creative officer at the New York Sports Club. Where'd you get your start in life and kind of what were the major stops along the way? Yeah. So when I was in school, I changed my major a few times, but I graduated with a focus in strategic management and marketing. And upon graduation from college, I had a job at American Express, a great brand, in their strategic planning and business development group. From there, I kind of always really had a passion for marketing and more of the the brand work that was being done. And so I went back to business school and coming out of business school, interviewed really only with consumer brands with a focus on marketing roles specifically. So I interned at Pepsi in between my first and second year of business school and returned to Pepsi after graduating from business school in their marketing department. Had an absolute blast, worked on small brands, big brands, worked in their music group for a bit. And then I actually stepped out of my career altogether when I had my older son, who's now 16 years old. And 
kind of became what I say is an accidental entrepreneur. So at the time when I had young kids, I wasn't really looking to work, but can't help myself but to observe consumer behavior in the marketplace and was working out with a personal trainer initially as a means to lose baby weight and leave the house a couple of days a week. And he was getting his MBA at the time. So we used to discuss a lot of his business school cases and have these kind of like strategic conversations while, while I was training with him. And around that time, the very first, what we think of as boutique fitness studios started to open in New York City. And at the same time, CrossFit started to become a little bit more of a household name. And he and I would just get lost in these conversations about his clients and these other group activities that they were dabbling in. And I found it fascinating that there were, you know, he had personal training clients who were coming to him for a one-on-one session, yet they were going to these community-based classes. And so as somebody who, for myself, I had helped two days a week with my kids. And those were the two days that I went and saw him for training sessions. So I was missing out on all the community-based classes. And for me, it was, I started to look around to think, well, these classes sound like a lot of fun and people are going with friends and there's this whole social aspect, but is there a class that can replace the workout that I'm mm. doing with a personal trainer? So mm. we're you know doing some loaded strength training along with conditioning work, but also just having the guidance of of a really trained professional. And there really weren't a lot of offerings in the market at that time on the group side. So he and I, in kind of our academic conversations like we used to have, started to talk about, you know, would it be possible to take these workouts like we do in a personal training session and put it into a group environment. And the more we talked about it, the more I got excited by the idea and started to speak with friends. And what became speaking with friends became sort of orchestrated mini focus groups. And before you knew it, I kind of started to put the pieces together to launch what became the fitting room and the boutique brand that I launched. So I ran that for about 10 years. It's almost 11 now. I'm trying to think of the time that I was introduced to New York Sports Club, but obviously through the pandemic, the business went through many challenges, shuttered for a very long time in New York City, moving the business to digital. Uh, You know, we can go down any number of those paths, but the bottom line was the industry was forever changed, particularly in places like New York or California. And the more that I really looked around at the landscape, competition, the changes in people's routines, the more that it became apparent that the way to help the business I had created thrive would be to become part of of something bigger. And that sort of turned into conversations with any number of partners. And New York Sports Club a year ago acquired Fitting Room and I got the opportunity to become their chief marketing and creative officer, which kind of brought me back to doing what I love most, which is focusing on marketing and branding. I love it. 
I love it. And I mean, quite the personal journey as well, you know, starting in marketing, I guess, MX, going back to business school, Pepsi, big, big brands and big companies. I mean, must have been fantastic, kind of like ground level applied training, if you will. And then taking some time off as a lot of women do and, and men even nowadays. And and then making your way back into the business world through entrepreneurship. That was quite the twist. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. if you had asked me, in fact, at the beginning of business school, there's a few days, I don't know if they still do it, but it's called foundations. And it's before you start your, your required curriculum. And one of the exercises that you go through is they have everybody in the class kind of, you know, by a show of hands, how many people think they're going to work for a company with 10 or fewer people? What about 10 to a hundred people, so on and so on. And coming from American Express and Pepsi and having this love of marketing and branding and advertising, I was convinced I'm working for a big company for the rest (laughs) of my life. I want big budgets. I want Super Bowl ads. I want global awareness. And I never in a million years would have seen myself starting a company and running a business of, you know, 50 or fewer employees for over a decade. So uh, quite the twist for me as well. Well, and and then going through COVID with the fitting room, it sounded like, I just want to make sure I got the timing right. That has to have been a learning curve like no other, how to, how to pivot, how to change develop. It sounded like going through a digital transformation all at once. Is that fair to say? 100%. So (laughs) yes, um, lead fitting room through COVID. I think that fitting room was fortunate in the very early days because for whatever reason, when in the early days, when businesses started to send emails saying, we're going to close for three days for a deep cleaning, the science side of my head I just couldn't understand that. Like, why would this be gone in three days? Like, I don't, you know, like I don't understand. It's a highly contagious right. virus. And so it granted everything started to unfold very, very rapidly. But the week before New York City mandated that businesses closed down, I sat around a table with the, my team and we created a task force of people in all different positions of the organization to kind of make decisions day by day. You know, we decided for ourselves each day, do we feel safe going into work? Are we going to limit the number of people in a class? You know, what are our cleaning protocols? But we very quickly started having the conversation about, it feels like we're going to need to close our doors at some point. What should we do? And we had a conceptual plan in place. We needed a couple of days to test out some different technologies in terms of hosting live classes face-to-face through computers and making sure our team members had dumbbells and kettlebells and fitness equipment in their houses and things like that. But we actually only went three days without revenue because I just couldn't stop thinking about, I want to be able to pay people And if we don't charge people, I can't pay people. We never imagined in a million years that we would have been closed for over a year, which we were in New York City. But but we did move very quickly and it was a crash course in, in leadership. I think leadership and communication, probably more than anything else. I'm so glad you guys pivoted and and were able to do that with that foresight. 
you, frankly. I mean, you lucky and, and just good preparation, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. So you mentioned, you know, and I think it was in 2022, the New York Sports Club acquired Fitting Room. Where is New York Sports Club today and the journey that that business is on and, and how does Fitting Room kind of fit into their mix? I guess pun intended. Yes. So for people who don't know New York Sports Club, we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. So it's a company with a, a long history. Uh, the clubs at its peak had as many as 200 clubs. At the moment, we're just under 50 clubs. So New York Sports Club went through a rapid growth in the sort of early 2000s, very late 90s. But through the pandemic, of course, they also had a ton of doors closed uh, for a long period of time. Most of the clubs are in the Northeast of the U.S. New York Sports Club went through a reorganization and a bankruptcy in September of 2020 when they were a public company. And then they emerged from that in December of 2020 as a private company. So it's only been a few years since having new ownership. And then in February of 2022, a new CEO was brought in. So New York Sports Club with this new leadership and a new CEO in place has really been in a rebuild mode. And I've been here for a year now. And in that year, a lot of the focus has been on repairing damaged reputations uh, from, you know, some of the more challenging times. There were not always the best decisions made in terms of billing practices during the pandemic. There were obviously a lot of clubs that were shut down. There were breakdowns in the communication to members because everybody had to be, everybody was laid off, you know, for periods of time. And so it's been a huge focus on rebuilding those relationships with members, rebuilding trust with the communities, letting everybody know that business is done totally differently now. In fact, there aren't even annual contracts. Even if you came and said you wanted to sign an annual contract, all of the memberships are month to month. They can be canceled at any time. And so it's really been a comeback story. That's amazing. I mean, and a lot of, a lot of transformation. Like you're basically rebuilding the basics and the value proposition, it sounds like, from the ground up a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So it there's been a lot of learning, a lot of member discovery, focus groups, understanding, really getting back to, like you said, it's getting back to the basics. What role do we play in people's lives? Why do people come here? And then understanding how we can better service people. I mean, the world around us has changed. So making changes to the clubs to keep up with the evolution, um, whether it's in fitness or our lifestyle. So for example, in the clubs, many of the clubs have workspaces now, we call them. And a workspace might be as simple as having a sofa or a comfortable seating area with Wi-Fi so that if you're coming for your workout, while you're working from home and you need to grab a conference call or hop on your laptop, you have a space and a connection to do that. 20 years ago, that wasn't something that was important in designing a club. Same thing with 
services like recovery lounges. So over the past year, we've built recovery lounges in a number of the clubs and put more recovery tools in because now we're focused on this overall wellness and recovery is just as important as working your body intensely, more social fitness offering. So we launched this year team training, which is smaller um, smaller group training led by trainers. And it's really about having that, that social connection while getting the workout that you want. Uh, group fitness classes, of course, is also social wellness. And that social piece is really important to people in the post-pandemic world. People came out of the pandemic and they don't want to be necessarily alone with their headphones on. Uh, You know, a lot of people wanted to be interacting with other people. So it really is an evolution of the brand. Love it. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I love it. Well, and and you are not only the the proposition and what you do, but the brand itself and consolidating the brands under and bolstering the New York Sports Club brand. What has that looked like? Like from a marketing and websites and all of the the martech that kind of helps to power those things. Yeah. So when I came into the company, there were six different websites, a regional brand for each of our different regions, New York Sports Club, Philadelphia Sports Club, Washington Sports Club, Boston Sports Club. We have Around the Clock Fitness in Florida, which is a small chain of health clubs that we acquired there a few years back. And everybody had their own social media feeds and had their own websites and obviously their own brand, which translates into marketing collateral, uniforms, uh, you know, pretty much every touch point of the business. And especially coming out of the pandemic, I think there's a couple things. I think there's a psychological benefit of this notion of we can be stronger together, right? So a lot of the locations had leases that had to be let go. A lot of the businesses that were in great locations in a pre-pandemic world weren't in the same position to thrive in a post-pandemic world, particularly a lot of like downtown financial district types of locations. And so with fewer doors, just bringing our whole community together, I think was important from a, a psychological perspective. The other thing is because the world evolves change and we're talking about how we best serve our members. I mean, we have a generation of digital nomads. Uh, you know, there's people who don't have even like 
permanent addresses and they spend a month in a different city, you know, and they just need their laptop to work. And so if we're serving our members, the member needs to understand that we're the same company from Florida up to Boston and being able to have a single mobile app, a single website experience, a single social community. And so part of bringing the brand together is very much in terms of, again, like strengthening, strengthening the community and the member experience. At the same time, there's the business side and just productivity and efficiency. So in a world before digital marketing channels, regional brands make a lot of sense. We're your neighborhood gym and we proudly wear the name of the city in which we're located. But in a digital world, having to update six different websites every time we implement a promotion or having inventory of six different pieces of marketing collateral for the same program or having to have six versions of every piece of digital advertising and six different digital advertising accounts and managing social communities, you know, and DMs and comments on posts on six different channels. I mean, think about how much more we can invest back into the business and how much more we can do to move the business forward and to serve our members if we're doing things one time instead of six times. And so there's definitely a productivity part of bringing the brands together as well. And then the, you know, the last piece is the brand identity. So we want to signal to the world that We're the same company in terms of sort of the parts of the history that there are to celebrate. And it's amazing that the company has been in business for 50 years, helping improve lives through fitness. But at the same time, we want to visually signal to everybody that we are we're different, you know, we're better, we're the same, but we're a better version of ourselves. So we updated the color palette. We didn't change our core colors fundamentally, but we updated, we brightened the tone of voice of the marketing materials. The logo is updated and the logo, we updated the New York Sports Club logo in part when we brought the brands together because in the new logo, there's sort of a hidden Easter egg of the word my. So in the NYSC logo, if you look for it, you can find a hidden M when the N and the Y come together. And the idea behind that is regardless of what city people are in or which region people are in, the whole idea is that we want for each individual in our community to feel like this is my sports club. It's my home. Everyone has their own personal journey, their reason for being at a gym. And it's very different things for different people. Same thing with our team members. And so we launched this coming together of the brands and the new logo along with a My Sports Club campaign. So in our monthly newsletters, monthly on our social feeds, we're always highlighting a member of the community. And we make sure that we're highlighting members across our different geographic markets, but everybody's part of this My Sports Club campaign. I love it. I love it. I mean, and what a transformation. I mean, and just like the level of consolidation. I mean, the complexity that was there before is maddening a, a little bit. It's like you can kind of see how it came to be one 
you know, right. one opening at a time. Yeah. But when you sit in the year 2023, or in my case, when I came into the business in 2022, it's like, how are we operating like this right now? <laughs> right. And to that point, you know, you had mentioned the MarTech before I came in and there was no marketing automation. So not only did we have six different letterheads and wow. different marketing lists, everything had to be done manually. So, you know, removing people who were on, you know, like the subscribed versus unsubscribed, just everything was manual and had to be done six times. So there was just a huge investment last year made in a new member management system, new uh, lead management software, putting in a, a new CRM, and then the the middleware needed to integrate all those pieces so that all of those pieces of software have the same data at the same time, and we can effectively communicate with much more automation. You talked about the My Sports Club campaign, but like, talk to me a little bit more about like, what does marketing look like now that you've cleaned up, if you will, my words, not yours, but <laughs> cleaned up the ecosystem, you've consolidated into a brand, and you've got, it sounds like a better engine to run marketing on top of. Our biggest marketing objectives are increasing our brand awareness. You know, a lot of people mistake bankruptcy with being out of business. So making sure people understand we're open, we're investing in the gyms, we're updating the gyms, that's a big piece. And in addition to focusing on growing our membership base, which of course is very important for all gyms, but in addition to that acquisition piece and having our big promotions at the biggest times of year, there's also been a big focus on retention and um, speaking with our member and deepening our relationships with our existing members. And so in addition to kind of what everybody, I think, tends to think of as, you know, more traditionally like gym marketing, which is all about like your ads and your sales and join for only, you know, a dollar this month or pay nothing until January. Uh, right. We've also focused a lot on building partnerships with, with other brands running. Uh, for example, this summer, we partnered with Garmin on a challenge. It was a summer in the gym and win challenge. So we were giving away Garmin devices and we were really, really thoughtful about how we structured the challenge to make it as inclusive as possible. So across our regions, just for signing up, you were registered into a raffle. And so we broke our portfolio into seven regions. And so seven people won a Garmin device just for signing up, right? Just for mm. saying like, I'm part of this community, I'm in. And then there was a check-in challenge. So if you're somebody whose goal was to consistently go to the gym, you had incentive to, to check in as frequently as possible. And then there was prizing for people who connected any wearable device. It didn't have to be a Garmin device, but any of the wearables that connect to our mobile app. And so there it was, steps was one of the categories and calories was one of the categories. But the whole idea around having a challenge with different rewards, because again, people have different goals. And honestly, just being part of the community is something worth celebrating. And so we've really been partnering in different ways uh, with different brands and then also doing some community-based 
partnerships and fundraising as well. I love I love that example. Partly to your point, like you're kind of meeting people where they are. <laughs> right. And it's not about the pump and look in the mirror, <laughs> if you will, the old yeah. old gym days <laughs> when I was growing up. And, and it definitely brings in the community aspect, the fact that you can connect all these things. And I love the partnership component. I mean, you've got other partnerships going on as well. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about those. I think there's one called, one with Under Armour maybe, and one with Hyper Ice. Hyper Ice, yes. Hyper yeah. Yes, yeah, so uh, we've done a few different partnerships with Under Armour. So in our New York clubs, uh, we partnered with Under Armour when we were rolling out our first um, team training classes. So that's like the smaller, smaller group training sessions. And there was a night where Under Armour was there and allowed people to trial their newest training shoe during those classes. And then there was a giveaway component and people who took the most team training classes in a period of time who could win. And then we partnered with them again this summer and also in the fall up in Boston where Together, we were hosting outdoor classes outside the Prudential Center in Boston. And so our instructors were teaching, you know, free group classes outside on the green. You did not have to be a New York Sports Club member to participate. And Under Armour um, and New York Sports Club partnered in terms of promoting those and driving people to those, which were really, you know, it's just, it's great to bring fitness to a community, whether you're a paid member or not. Awesome. And then Hyperice, they are our partner for our recovery lounges or one of our partners for our recovery lounges. So we have in many of our in many of our clubs, there's Normatec Boots, which are a Hyperice product, and some of the other Hyperice recovery products. And they've been a great partner with us for some social giveaways. And again, just really promoting this idea of overall wellness and ensuring that your body is recovering, you know, from its workouts and you're not just layering one workout on top of another workout. You are hitting on all cylinders. You like <laughs> reset the business, the value proposition, the you know what it is to be part of this club or your club, your local club. Resetting marketing, uh, the brand itself, what marketing looks like and driving these partnerships. I mean, do you sleep? Not much, (laughs) (laughs) but luckily I have an amazing team. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's like mind blowing to be honest, like to think back about all that you do and a little fact that you laid in a little earlier is this is your 50th anniversary that you're celebrating as a part of the New York sports club. So like what, you know, if you think about that 50 years in business, like what does that mean? to the company and to the community. I think it's a huge source of pride and accomplishment for the company and hopefully for our members as well. I think it is a real testament to the Mm -hmm. perseverance of the team and a testament to the underlying strength of the longstanding community because there were people who weathered some really challenging storms. There were several reorganizations. There were changes in leadership. There's just about every kind of change you can imagine over the course of 50 years, but the business continues to evolve and improve and continues to refresh our spaces and bring new programming and services to the members and the members, vice versa, you know, they kind of pay it back by continuing to come. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, it's, uh, it's quite, 
I guess it's worth saying, I mean, quite the turnaround, to be honest. I mean, like resetting the business and, and... I mean, there's, there's absolutely a lot of work still left to be done, but it has been really rewarding to watch the team and the members respond to the changes that we're making. Yeah, it sounds really good. It sounds all great. And I mean, I, it sounds like you're on a pathway now too that you've kind of got a little bit of a flywheel, hopefully effect behind you, generating the next results that, that make it a little easier with each day. Yes. Well, right now we are putting the finishing touches on a new website. So one more <laughs> piece of newness to come. But yes, to your point, building the infrastructure that was a huge undertaking. And this past year, just training teams on new software and new systems, that that is a task that touches everybody at the company. And yeah, the goal for 2024 is that those really hard things are in place and now we get to layer on top of it. I love it. Love it. Well, kudos to you and the team. One of the things we like to do on this show is get to know you a little bit better. We know you have this passion for baseball. We talked about it at the outset and traveling around with the family. But my favorite question to ask everyone that comes on the show is, you know, has there been an experience of your past that defines and makes up who you are today? There are probably multiple defining moments, but the one that pops in my mind, maybe because we've been talking so much about perseverance on this call is, so going back way back to my senior year of high school, I had a meeting with my guidance counselor. I was in a class of 625 graduating students. So I did not have a deep relationship with my guidance counselor. And I shared a list of colleges I was applying to. And her response was, you should add a safety school. So the irony was, I thought half the schools on my list were safety schools. And, and in the end, I ended up, in fact, being accepted by all but one of the schools on my list. So pretty close. Three of them even offered me an academic scholarship. And at the school I decided to go to, maybe a couple months before school started, I received a letter and I was invited to join an honors scholar program. And I was too intimidated to accept the program. And to be honest, I kind of questioned whether I should even have been admitted. And I was nervous about taking on more than I could handle. So I turned down the honors program and my parents were completely supportive of the decision. They were very big advocates of a work hard, play hard mentality. And they felt like they wanted to ensure I had time to do both. Enjoy being at college for four years, but also work hard and come out successful. Fast forward four years, I ended up graduating with the highest level of distinction. When I look back and as I think about what it looked like when, you know, COVID shut down the business and at many other points in my career, when my first accountant told me nine out of 10 new businesses fails, I just think about this moment and I'm like, you know, I kind of learned a great lesson there to believe in myself and my capabilities and that that conviction really had to come from me. And so that was probably the last time that sort of being underestimated unnerved me. Now I kind of embrace it. And I think, well, you know, if somebody thinks that I'm capable of less than I am, good for me. I get to sort of like surprise them on the other side. 
And I kind of, I still take that notion of making sure that there is time to work hard and play hard. I think that's a really important philosophy, right? When in terms of building a company culture, team norms, parenting, you know, sort of whatever it is. So to your point, yes, it's been a very busy year. Yes, I've accomplished a lot. But also I took time to go on those baseball trips, you know, with my kids and things like that. I love that story. I mean, what an uninspiring guidance counselor. Though. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, like, and I had one similar to yours, which is kind of funny. Uh, I feel like that wouldn't be allowed these days. No, like, and, and you know, well, I hope at least. <laughs> right. Grief. No one should have to go through that. But uh, good for you. Good for you. If you were starting this journey all over again, what advice would you give that younger self? I think I would probably tell my younger self to really enjoy the journey because it is a journey and maybe take more risks, be a little bit less sequential, maybe open my eyes to non-traditional opportunities. I feel like I was on such a straight corporate path, kind of going through college. And then we talked about some of my early jobs. And when I think about the jobs I applied to, I mean, it was essentially like the same job at a whole bunch of different companies that were similar in size and composition. And looking back, it's so interesting to me now, especially working with a lot of much younger people. I mean, there's all these life experiences and jobs that are out there that I never either didn't know they existed or wouldn't have considered. And yet it's so sitting where I sit now, I'm kind of like, you know, not everything has to be like that forever career. Like when I took that job at Amex, I could have seen myself staying there until, uh, until I retired. But I think there's so many different skill building opportunities that are out there in the world that could be really fun for a moment in time. And, you know, now that I sit here with two teenage sons, like there's things that just wouldn't fit my current life. But at a time, maybe they would have. And so I think there's ways for people just to, I don't know, just be a little adventurous setting out. Maybe if my former self could have like done something like super wacky for, you know, a year and I still could have learned a bunch of great skills and figured out how to apply them to the next step in my journey. Cause you kind of only get one shot at the journey. Right. It's very true. Very true. Well, it, curious from a marketing perspective, if there's a topic either you're trying to learn more about or you think other people should learn more about. I mean, right now it's so cliche, but AI is probably the biggest one. Uh, and really not just AI for the sake of learning about AI, but how to use it in professionally. So in optimizing things from personalization to predictive and analytics to understand, you know, who our best target customers would be to go after or, you know, in automations, I just, I think we've just scratched the surface, barely scratched the surface, but that's definitely an area that, you know, got to learn by doing, I think. Yeah, exactly. I think trial and error at, at this point in time is is a good one because it, it's still rapidly developing, of course. Yeah. Well, are there any trends or, or subcultures that you follow or you think other people should take notice of? I think one thing that's interesting, I don't know if it's technically a subculture, but it's this whole notion and the power of kind of individual creators and influencers. So, you know, there was a time where 
to create content, you know, you're spending like a fortune on some sort of a production or ad agency or talent or, or whatever. And then, you know, you have this, it, today everybody has a voice and I think it's hard to predict who will go viral and when. And so I think it's just, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Creators and influencers, I think they can be subject matter experts, but they can also perpetuate misinformation. They can amplify outlier experiences. So somebody could go into a club, have a bad experience, and that person happens to be a creator that puts something out there that goes viral and it like showcases your worst moment, but it makes it feel like every moment is that moment. So I think it's really both an opportunity and a threat. And so I just, I think it's really interesting to kind of take note of this dynamic. And, you know, and I think that there are certainly creators and influencers who have huge followings. They do influence buying decisions. They influence people's impressions of our products and our services. And some of them might have the knowledge or experience to support their claims and some may not. But I think you can also find yourself competing against some of these people. You know, they might start off as somebody who's just commenting on something, but then they've got such a big following, they can put something out there into the world and become a new competitor as well. And so it's just, it's a really interesting phenomenon to me in the world of marketing specifically, where it's not necessarily like having the best product or service or the deepest pocket is not what determines winners and losers today. No, it's an interesting, it definitely is an interesting dynamic. And especially in the like health and wellness space, I think in particular, it's very acute. Yeah. Well, last question for you, and it may be, it may be influencers and creators, but what do you feel like is the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today? I mean, I think one of the biggest And it could, again, be both an opportunity or a threat, but I think it's the complexity and the fragmentation in terms of media is a really big challenge. So, you know, if I think about when I was growing up, you know, effectively reaching an audience um, in the days of three major television networks and like fewer than 13 working channels on a television with no internet, no YouTube, no social media is just so vastly different because I mean, not only have the channels by which we reach our audience exploded, but there's complexity in how we measure them and the complexity in tracking, incognito browsers, camouflage, data. And so, you know, there's just the consumption of media. I remember years ago, I read a study and it had like the average consumption of media for, and I think this was like kid specific, the number of hours in a day, it kind of like outnumbered the number of waking hours when they're not sort of in school. (laughs) And I was like, well, how's that possible? And then I thought about it and I kind of like looked at my kids across the room and it's because they're watching TV while they're on their phone, while they're on their laptop. But are they really absorbing any message that's being sent at them? And so I just, I think that's, it's an opportunity because there's lots of different ways to reach people, but I think it's a, it's kind of a threat also because it's really hard to break through and find our audiences. No, I a hundred percent agree. And I, I've got one of those teenagers too, that have the three screens going <laughs> as well. I mean, I don't, I don't even, I walk in their room sometimes. I'm like, 
are you even focused on anything? No, right? Like, Same. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even understand. Uh, yeah, it's it's totally bizarre. But to your point, like from a marketing perspective, like how do you get in front of them and get their attention? It's an open question. Yes. <laughs> and if anyone has the answer, contact us because we have kids that need, right? <laughs> need to know. But yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, well, Carrie, it's been so fantastic just hearing about your journey what you're doing with the business. I mean, and I just hope that you you get some rest soon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with post-production support from Sam Robertson. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com. Tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love hearing from listeners. You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes and links to what was discussed in the episode today. And you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 